Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Our special guest is speaker, author, comedian, and actor, Michael Jr., who's here with us today. Yeah, Michael. Michael has brought laughter to The Tonight Show, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Comedy Central, and his feature and starring roles in films like The War Room and Selfie Dad. He's known as a comedic thought leader, and he keynotes for TED Talks and wrote the best-selling book, uh, Funny How Life Works. And today, we're going to learn together, and we're going to laugh together. I want you to help me and welcome, with a great First Orlando welcome, Michael Jr. We're going to have some fun today. I'm already, I got jokes already popping in my head right now. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have some fun. We're going to laugh. Some people think that you shouldn't laugh in church. My response to that is always, what good father doesn't want to hear his children's laughter in his house? So we get to laugh. It's going to be fun. I was hanging out with Pastor David earlier or yesterday. He took me out to eat. It was awesome. What was that place? Hooters. Oh, that's right. It was amazing. <laughs> I was just playing. I didn't go. <laughs> Went by itself, man. <laughs> it's all comedy. So we're going to laugh. It's going to be great. Here's the cool part. So there's three verses of Scripture that's going to apply to what I'm going to talk about today. There's three verses of Scripture. If you want to write them down, I highly recommend you write them down because later on, when you read them, I think they're going to pop in a new way as a result of what we talk about today. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so the three verses are Jeremiah 29, 11. You can write it down. Sir, you're not writing. You're just going to remember it. Okay, that's fine. Roll with that. Just roll with That's what I would do, too. I'm like, I'm not going to be writing stuff. Down. Anyway, so Jeremiah 29, 11. And then there is John 10, 27. That's a good one. And then um, Revelations 3, 20. These three verses of Scripture, if you read them later on today when you leave here, they're going to pop in a new way. And if, as a bonus Scripture, if you want to go to uh, 2 Romans, um, <laughs> She looked at me like, what Bible you got? There's no second Romans, people. If your Bible got a second Romans, you need to take it back to Dollar Tree. <laughs> All right, so we're laughing at church already some, but here's what's amazing. When I was a kid, laughing at church was illegal. You couldn't laugh at church. One time, I laughed at church. This lady, my grandmother would take me to church. I'm seven years old, and it was a miserable church that last forever. This lady was jumping around, and her wig fell off. I cracked up laughing. My grandmother saw me laughing and she pinched and then she twists. I can understand a pinch. You gonna twist? It's probably the devil right there, grandma. I didn't say that out loud, but that's what I was thinking. So let me explain to you my church experience from a, when I was seven years old. I'm seven years old, I go into this church and my clothes were too tight. They didn't fit right at all. Like, and then my shoes were like at least two sizes too small. And my grandmother had this thing called a shoehorn. So if your foot don't fit, now it do. And church lasts at least six hours. We'd go in the basement and eat a sandwich and come back up like it was halftime or something. It was miserable. And this dude was up on stage, and he, he was clearly mad at everybody in the room. 
Because every time he get up on stage, he'd be mad. And I think he was mad because he had some phlegm caught in his throat. Because at the end of every sentence, he would always try to get it out. He was like, the Lord said, ah, <laughs> act like you <laughs> I'm sure that's what Pastor David does too, right? It's the same thing? No, not at all. And he had a Bible in his hand. He kept playing like he was going to throw it at people. And everybody would get scared. He'd be like, ha, ha. And they'd be like, hey, man, hey, man. I realize now they were saying, hey, man. I didn't know. <laughs> Nobody was teaching. It was just, I didn't understand what was going on. It was scary. And one time I went to church, there's a dead body in the front. Nobody explains to a seven-year-old Michael Jr., this is a funeral. It's not church. I'm thinking, yo, that's how they do. Like every few weeks or so, they bring a dead body in as an example or something. And the dude on stage get mad at everybody because they did it. I didn't understand what was going on. I asked my grandma, I was like, Grandma, what happened to the man in the box? What happened to the man in the box? Her whole explanation was, he in a better place. I'm like, what kind of box did he live in before? I didn't understand any of that stuff. So at 14 years old, instead of forcing me to go to church, my grandmother gave me an option. She was like, would you like to go to church? I was like, let me think this over, Grandma, no. So I wouldn't go to church anymore. We were broke. We, were just, we ain't had no money. I was just hanging out with my friends, but we were broke when I was a kid. We were, I was actually being sponsored by a family from Haiti. Like, <laughs> Yo, that's a funny joke, man. Some Christians don't know what to do with that joke. You can't laugh and shake your head. <laughs> when you don't have no money, you get creative. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted an action figure. That's all I wanted was an action figure. My birthday comes along. My dad hands me a box. I opened it up. It was empty. He said, it's Invisible Man. I played with that thing for three weeks, man. My brother hid it from me, man. I couldn't find it nowhere. Me and a friend also made a deal around 14 years old that we wouldn't curse anymore. Like, let's be real. You don't know nothing about Jesus. As soon as you leave the house, you want to feel like a man. That's what you would do. But we made a deal that we wouldn't curse anymore. If he heard me curse, he could hit me in the chest hard as he wanted to and vice versa. Dude could hit really hard. So I stopped cursing immediately. We, we played other games too. Remember the game Slugbug? If you're from the East Coast, they call it Punch Bug. Here's how the game works. You see a Volkswagen Bug, you get to hit your friend. Those are all the instructions. In my neighborhood, they would take this game a little too far. They would add to the game. You ever play Uppercut Fire Truck? <laughs> what about Minivan Body Slam? You ever play that game? <laughs> it was always one crazy dude in a group who would make up games on the spot, like hit you in the throat tall building. You play too much. That don't even rhyme. That's my esophagus. I also noticed around this age that I was struggling with my reading. Now, I knew it before this, but I didn't care. But now I'm noticing girls, and I don't want the girls to know that I'm struggling with my reading. I couldn't sound words out phonetically. It just didn't work that way. My mind would start to scramble to figure out what words were. I would look at the font size, the color, the positioning, what's in front of it, what's behind it, how people responded to it. I actually came up with seven different ways to look at a word to determine what that word was. And I got really good at it. To the point in high school, people didn't know I wasn't really reading. I was just working it out really, really fast. Now, as an adult, I read just fine, but I still have this ability to look at words and people and situations seven different ways almost immediately. 
In fact, it's the primary place that I pull my comedy from. So that very thing from my past, it looked like it was a handicap. It, it seemed as if I was dealt a bad hand. God didn't cause it, but he's used it in preparation for what he has me to do. Because again, that's where I pull my comedy from now. So let me say this again so you can hear what I'm saying. That thing from your past, the fact that you never met your dad before, your parents were divorced, you were raped. God did not cause that, but he'll use it in preparation for what he has for you to do. Chances are you've been practicing. Maybe you didn't know you were practicing. I'm here to let you know you've been practicing. And for a lot of you guys, it is game time. But you have to be able to hear the coach's voice. So now, as a result of my practice, I find funny everywhere. I'm at the airport the other day. This cool little white kid walks up to me, asks for an autograph. I was like, cool. What's your name, buddy? He said, I'm Tanner. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> Help your neighbor with that one. Help your neighbor. 26 years old, I moved to New York City. I hope you're tracking with me. The reason I moved to New York City, I'm from Michigan, but I moved to New York City because I'm doing comedy now, and I want to know if I'm funny. And in New York, if you're not funny, the way they let you know is they'll say something like, you're not funny. <laughs> so there's this comedy club in New York called the Comic Strip Live. It's one of those hardest clubs to get into. In fact, they have an open mic there on Tuesday nights when I first moved there, and it started at 7 p.m. Well, comedians who were new in town would start lining up at like 6 o'clock in the morning in hopes to do 90 seconds in front of the manager. It's really hard to get into this club. So it's finally my turn to perform at the Comic Strip Live. And right before I get on stage, this comedian named George Wallace walks in. Now, this is a very established comedian, which means when he comes in the club, whoever's next gets bumped. I'm next. I know I'm about to get bumped. The manager is already walking towards me. But no, this is where God shows up for the first time in my life. Well, this is where I noticed him. So the manager walks over to me and says, hey, Michael, listen, George Wallace is here. Do you want to go on before him or after him? That never happens. You never get an option. I was like, um, before him, please. So I go on before him. I go on before George Wallace, and I got New Yorkers laughing. Not only are they laughing, but he comes in the room, and he's laughing as well. Then after the show, there's a bunch of comedians there all around him, asking him questions. He leaves them and he walks over to me. And he says to me, you know what, you're really funny. I was like, wow, thanks, man. Then he said, and you're clean. He's like, let me ask you a question. He said, why don't you curse? I was like, I don't know. Um, what if my grandmother walk in or something? <laughs> my grandmother wasn't coming to New York, let alone to a comedy club. What else was I going to say? My friend might hit me in the chest. I'm a grown man. So he said, you're funny and you're clean. I'd like for you to do a show with me and my best friend in a couple nights. I was excited and pumped. I didn't know who his best friend was. It didn't matter. Get to the show, it's me, him, and his best friend is Jerry Seinfeld. I did two shows. I got two standing ovations. I rip. I'm the man. I'm like, yeah. After the show, club manager walks up to me. It's a different club. He walks up to me and says, Michael, you had a great set. Let me ask you a question. Uh, would you like to go to church with me tomorrow? church. Man, back up. You're making my feet hurt. That was my first thought. My first thought was... <laughs> As a side note, and pause the story right here. When he invited me to church, I can't get into all of this right now. If you guys get an opportunity, you really want to get this book because it's going to show some of this stuff. But this is a little side note. When he invited me to church, I actually did have the thought or the sensation that my feet actually started to hurt. 
Now, why did that happen? Because when I was a kid, I had on those shoes that were super small. So I actually, without knowing, had a negative neural association attached to church because it would bring me pain when people brought it up. Therefore, when people would approach me with the Bible or God's word, I would have a pain that I wasn't aware of in my foot slash brain and not want to go to church. So for years, when people would invite me, I would say no, not knowing that it wasn't actually the church. It was the situation that I was in. So I had to investigate that so I could truly be free. So anytime you have a conflict, you should look inside first and then maybe look outside if you need to. I'm going to jump back into the story. So I'm sitting there and the dude invites me to church. I was like, nah, I'm cool, man. I don't want to go to church, man. 20 minutes later, his fiance asked me if I wanted to go. And she was fine. I'm talking about beautiful. And she had this kind of accent, too. She was like, Michael Jr., would you like to go to church with us? I was like, I was just looking for a church the other day. Man, I just found me a church. So I go to this church for the wrong reasons. I can't even find these people, right? And I'm, and, and I'm sitting way in the back. And this dude comes out on stage like Pastor David. He's just talking about Jesus. That's it. Just like He's just talking. He's not screaming. He ain't yelling. He don't got no perm. He's just talking about Jesus. <laughs> then he did a thing where he did like this altar call. And he said, if you want Jesus in your life, all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess in your mouth and Jesus is yours. And I wanted to do it. Yo, I really wanted to, for real, Orlando. Like, I wanted to. But I was like, nah, I got to read the pamphlet first. Because I knew a couple Christians and they was creepy. It is some creepy Christians out there. If you don't know any creepy Christians, it's you. Yeah, yeah, your friends know one. Yeah, yeah. So I told myself I'd, I had to read the Bible before I gave my life. I didn't even have a Bible. And then some lady at O'Hare Airport hands me a Bible. We never even exchanged words. She handed me a Bible and walked off like she just went back to heaven or something. She's like, there, bye. So I get this Bible, and the first thing I read was the copyrights. The Bible was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Me too? That's crazy, man. We never met before. So I'm reading the Bible, going to church. Got to the part about the job. I'm like, no wonder I don't want one of them. That is crazy, man. I'm reading the Bible, go to church. I got to the part in Matthew where it said Jesus died for me. I did not know that Jesus died for me until I was 27 years old. I didn't know until I read it right there in Matthew. I had no idea. I'd been to church. I saw the stuff on TV, people screaming and yelling, where people just, I didn't understand it. I didn't know that I was 27 years old. I read it in Matthew that Jesus died for me. Then I turned to Mark, and he died again. <laughs> then he did it in Luke. <laughs> I got to John. I was like, why are you going back in the garden, Jesus? For real, I really thought he died four times. I didn't understand until somebody explained it to me later. So I give my life over to Jesus. Now I understand some stuff. I used to just think I was funny. Now I understand I'm funny for a reason. I go to this, this church and they have the people stand up and raise their hand. And, and I did it as well. And it was amazing. I used to just, now I understand there's purpose behind me having a sense of humor. And even the setbacks that I've had, like there's purpose behind that. God's not going to waste Anything. So now I get some celebrities, some that you would know who ask me questions about God. They're like, explain God to me. I'm like, dude, I can't explain God. If I could explain God, he wouldn't be God. It would be me. And I can't grow hair right here. <laughs> By the way, remember that dude in Texas? I don't know why I always bring this dude up. It was a dude in Texas a long time ago who said he was Jesus. 
Like he said he was Jesus. He had followers and everything. This is before Twitter. Like he had actual people following him around. I remember, and I looked up a picture of him, he wore glasses. <laughs> you can't be Jesus and have an optometrist. Like you can't do both. Like you gotta. <laughs> Did you read any of your works? Like, anyway, I was, that was a, let me get back to where I was supposed to be. So they asked me questions about God. And they say, explain God to me. And one dude was like, how is it I can do all of this stuff that I'm doing and you still say, people still say that Jesus wants a relationship with me. And this is all I could come up with at the time. But this is what I said. God is like, it's like being in a car with your navigation device. You ever been in a car with a navigation device before? You ever been in a car before? We could start there. Y'all ever been in a car before? <laughs> it's like being in a car with a navigation device. If it says go 10 blocks and turn left, then you go 10 blocks and turn right. It doesn't abandon what you're supposed to do. It recalculates what you need to do to get to where you're supposed to be based upon where you are. The only problem is if you keep making the wrong turns, the road conditions may be different. They may be rougher and you're running out of time. So you have to be sensitive to listen to that voice so you can make the right choice about where you're supposed to be. And that voice sounds an awful lot like a coach because you have it been practicing for nothing. It's game time. So now I leave New York City because it's crazy expensive and I move to California. <laughs> my cousin had a couch that he said I could sleep on, so I moved my cousin's couch. You got The details of that is in my book. It's so dope. Just that whole transition. There's this, this thing that happened in between. Whatever. Anyway, so at this point I have time for, I got two stories left. I got time for one of them. So uh, I could either tell this story about first time I was on The Tonight Show or being in prison or, or going to prison. I should say this difference. So I'm going to let you choose. Which one? Tonight Show or going to prison? Prison. Wow. Okay. I see how you get down. This is great. 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 <laughs> all right. All right. So let me see. All right. So I have a nonprofit called Funny for the Forgotten right, where we go to homeless shelters and prisons, abuse children facilities, and we take comedy there. We make laughter commonplace and uncommon places. So I walk into this prison. It's my first time ever, though, and I'm scared for real. Like, I'm scared. As soon as I walk into prison, the warden takes my belt from me. He's like, you can't have a belt. Somebody might try to hang you. <laughs> can't they just boo me like regular people? Man, I don't understand what it... <laughs> I'm in prison, my pants loose. Like, this is a bad idea, man. I just... I got seven different ways to look at this, man. <laughs> so I'm scared for real. Like, I'm scared. I'm walking in this prison. I'm scared. The little story, I'm not, I'm not going to have time for it, but you can get it in the book if you want to, right? So, so I'm walking in this prison, and I'm scared for real. I'm like, I'm for real. And you walk in, and they got these bars that open, and then you close it. And I got, a, I got like eight guards around me at first. We all walking in, but as we go through sets of bars, I don't know if these dudes are getting hit with with darts or to the neck or something, but they just, they're gone. We get to the last set of bars, it's me and Barney Fife sitting here. And this dude is like, this is as far as, as, far as I go. I was like, well, me too, man, I ain't going in there. <laughs> but I know God told me to go into this place, so I'm scared for real. And I walk in, and all these prisoners, they're all in this big circle, and there's a little opening in the middle of the circle where I'm supposed to walk, and I'm assuming I'm supposed to do comedy there. So I walk in, the door closed. I'm just looking, and I know I look cool on the outside, but inside, I'm tripping. You know why? Because I got nothing. I don't have a joke popping up. 
I'm, th- I'm walking. I look cool. I got like five or six steps left. Nothing. Seven different ways to nothing. <laughs> I had one joke pop up, but I didn't feel like I should start with it. I was going to be like, you know what? You guys are a captive audience. I just want to say that, man. <laughs> just, I didn't feel a peace in my spirit about that joke. So I got nothing. Seven different ways, and then I'm walking. Nothing, nothing. I got two steps left. I still got nothing. I settled his foot, and for real, sitting right up front is a white dude with a white beard named Moses. When I said these words to Moses, the place exploded in laughter. We had an amazing time. I said, Moses, this is what I want you to do. When you see the prison warden, I want you to look him in his eye. I want you to look him right in his eye. I want you to say, let my people go. Like, for real. How did I get that joke that fast under that much pressure? It wasn't as much pressure as you might think because I had been practicing. I was practicing in the form of a child who was struggling with his reading. I did not know I was practicing, but I was practicing for moments like that, moments like with the, the Leno show. I was practicing even though I didn't know I was practicing. Let me say this again. You've been practicing. You didn't know you were practicing. Maybe since you were four years old, maybe since your dad left, maybe since the pandemic, you've been practicing. God didn't cause it, but he will use it in preparation for what he has for you to do. But you got to be able to hear the coach's voice or you're either going to not know what to do in the game or you're just going to murmur and complain. So now, um, so me and my wife were looking at some old home videos recently of our youngest daughter being born. And I'm going to show you this video. Well, it's not her being born because, um, I'm not going to show you that video. It's a little private. <laughs> it's not a super old video. It's not like a VHS or anything. Uh, some of the young people are probably like, what's of a hush? I'll explain later. <laughs> but let me set this video up for you. I took this video, but I didn't understand the power of the video until I watched the video. So I'll set it up for you. She's like, uh, my daughter at the time is like two and a half minutes old. And they got her under that little, uh, that little chicken warmer, the thing to keep the keep the french fries warm at the restaurant. I don't know what kind of insurance we had, but that's, they got under that thing. And um, <laughs> so they got under there and the nurse is about to clean her up and she starts to cry. I want you to notice what happens when she hears my voice. Okay, Portland, look, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. I'm right here, I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay, it's okay, I'm right here. Right here, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, baby. So, that was pretty doggone awesome. Now it's like seven, maybe seven and a half minutes or so later, the nurse is done cleaning her up and she starts to cry again. I speak up and she stops crying again. But I want you to notice what happens when I tell her I love her. Portland, Portland, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm right here. I'm right here. I am right here. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. So listen, there's going to be times in life where you've, where things are just, they seem tough. 
And maybe you've just been practicing and practicing and practicing. But maybe you're frustrated or angry, even to the point of tears. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice. Because he is talking to you. And what he wants you to know is that he's right here. He loves you. All you have to do is open your eyes. You hear some music? Yeah, not yet, man. It's not your concert, man. Hold on one second. I'm, too, I'm sitting here like, Lord, is that you playing music to my heart? No, it's that dude right there. What is happening right now? I'm like, everybody all emotional. I'm like, Lord, is, you're awesome. No, it's, it's you, man. Stop. You're too early. This brother like, this is my opportunity. No, it's not really. I got one more story I need to share. So I have another story I want to share before I bounce. Bounce means to vacate the premises. I have one more story I want to share, and this is a story about having a relationship with Jesus. And the way that I came up with this story is I was doing what I normally do. I was just writing a joke. But first, I want to, I want to tell you how I came up with it. Then when I'm done telling you how I came up with it, that dude is supposed to slide in right there. <laughs> cool, we got that, bro. All right, cool, cool. Ah. Now you really, son, they got the lights on you. You really ready now. Okay, okay, all right, cool. That's what I like. It's my opportunity. I'm about to get in this. Okay. So this is a story about having a relationship with Jesus. And the way that I came up with this story is I was writing a joke. I was writing a joke about the good room. How many people here know what the good room is? Raise your hand if you know what the good room is. See, there's like barely any hands going up at all because the truth is, is I never finished writing a joke. But actually, most of you know what the good room is. Let me explain. The good room is that room in your grandmother's house or your aunt's house or maybe your house. It's that one room that's better than the rest of the house. Can nobody go in there? It's plastic on the furniture. It's really just for looks. How many people know what the good room is now? Exactly. So I'm writing this joke about the good room, and in the middle of writing this joke, God stops me and tells me to tell this story to his people. So I'm going to tell you the story. Now will be a great time to jump in right now. I didn't mean to interrupt you, bro. I know you was paying attention. He early and late. That is amazing. It's really, really amazing. So the way I'm going to tell this story is I want everyone, everyone, if you volunteer here, if you sing, I want everyone to participate in this story. I want you to imagine, imagine that you are a house. And outside of the house is Jesus Christ. And he wants to come in. But he'll never force his way in. He wants you to invite him in. And the reason some people here right now the reason you haven't invited Jesus into the house is because you're cool with the way things are right now, so it would seem. Whenever you need something, whenever something goes wrong, you just walk up to the door, crack it open, say a little prayer, tell them what happened, and then close the door and go back into the house. But that's not a relationship at all. How can you hear his voice under those circumstances? How can you utilize the practice under those circumstances? And the reason you won't let them into the house is because your house is a mess. And you think you need to clean it up first. Or you got to tidy up. You got to just do a couple more things first. How's that working out for you? There may be drugs or pornography in the house. 
You're just buying stuff, trying to stay busy. Or relationships. You brought other people in the house, hoping that somehow, some way, they could help you clean it up. But they can't. The only one who can clean it up is standing outside the door wearing an apron with a bucket in his hand, waiting on you to truly open the door. Then there's other people in here right now. You used to have Jesus in the whole house. But whether you realize it or not, you've moved him to just one room in the house. The good room. Have you ever noticed how the good room, most of the time, is the one right up front with the big window? So when people look in, they think the whole house is clean. So when they hear about you coming to church, they think the whole house is clean. But it's not. It's just that one room. You quote scriptures, but it's just that one room. You amen, but it's just that one room. You give money, it's just that one room. Jesus wants access to the whole house. And I'm telling you, if you would just open this door and let him in, he'll show up with a contractor named the Holy Spirit. And they will make sure the house is fully functioning the way it was intended to. But none of this happens if you don't open a door because he will not, he will never force his way in. He wants you to invite a man. So if everyone in here, if you could just close your eyes and bow your head. If you're in here right now, the reason I ask you to do this is so you can have a private moment where nobody's looking around. If you're in here right now and you know it's you, you're one of the people that really need to make this decision right now to invite Jesus into your house, whether it be for the first time or to truly give him full access to the house again, I'm gonna ask you to do something really simple. Don't overthink this. On the count of three, I just simply want you to put your hand in the air. No need to overthink this, just on the count of three. If you need to invite Jesus into your house for the first time or to give him full access again, put your hand in the air on the count of three. Hands are already going up. One, two, three. Praise God, praise God. All right, go ahead and put your hands down and then look up at me. First of all, let me say this. I am proud of you. Now listen, I'm going to say that phrase several more times, and I simply want you to work on receiving it because some people in this room have not received that phrase from a father's voice before. So I want you to listen to it, and I want you to work on receiving it as I repeat it. I am proud of you. I am proud of you. This is not just for the people who raise their hand. I am proud of you. 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 Now, Jesus says this. He says, if you would take a stand for me before man, I would take a stand for you before my Father in heaven. So that's going to look like right here on earth at First Baptist is everyone who raised their hand, even those who should have raised their hand, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up and remain standing. There's no public speaking involved with this at all. And you won't be standing alone. But Jesus says, if you will take a stand for me before man, I will take a stand for you before my Father in heaven. If you can't make this stand in here where we're proud of you, you won't be able to make it out there. When you raised your hand, it was as if you were reaching for the doorknob. But when you stand up and do this prayer together, you're blowing the door open so Jesus can come into the house and have full access to the house. Now, and to help with this, 
Let me just say this one more time so everyone understands. This is for everyone who raised their hand and even those who should have raised their hand. On the count of three, I want you to stand up and remain standing. And to help with this, everyone around you, they're going to applaud as loud as they can, but it will not compare to the applause that the angels in heaven will be doing when you stand to your feet and remain standing. One, two, three. Just stand up. Remain standing. Praise God. 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 Keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing. Okay. So if you're standing up, keep standing because we're about to do a prayer together. This is, this is a, probably the most important part of it. And then, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a prayer together. And then you're going to be different on the inside. You're still going to look the same on the outside. But here's what I really believe for some people in this room. Some of the friends that you currently have, because of the move you just made, you're going to lose the taste for some of your friends. And that's okay. That's good. You were, you were latching on to it anyway. Now it's time to, it'll be okay to release them because God has something even better. So we're going to do this prayer together. And then they're going, they normally bring up a white dude to make it official. I don't know where he at. This is probably going to be him right there. Cool. <laughs> that's, that's what they do. I don't, I don't know why. Oh, it's official. It works now. It's, anyway, so. We're laughing in the middle of a life-changing moment. Goodness gracious, God is awesome. If you're sitting down right now, there's a couple people. If you're sitting down right now and you need to be standing, you're sitting down, you need to be standing. You know who you are. You're probably feeling something all up in here right now. All up in here, you're just dealing with it. And now you're sitting down trying to handle it yourself. Yeah, it's a couple more, too. I saw you, bro. I'm trying to be all hard. All right, fine. You, you just dealing with it. Just, just do the thing. All right, so we're going to pray. Just repeat this prayer in the privacy of your heart. I'll pray. Repeat this prayer. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for me. Thank you, Father, that he rose again on the third day and that I am forgiven for my sins, for every sin. Come into my house, come into my heart, and have your way. I believe it, and I receive it. Thank you for being proud of me, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, give him a round of applause. You guys can have a seat real quick, wow. Hey, so I'm about to bounce, right? Well, I'm not going to. I'll still be here. We have another service. But um, here's what I want everybody who made that decision. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do something different. But I'm not going to tell you what it is. Normally, when you come to church, you get out the car. You may drop the kids off. or You come right in here. You sit down. You get up. It's the exact same pattern every week. I just, I just want you to break that pattern. I want you to do something different. That could be sit in your chair for a little longer. That could be come up here to the stage and spend a little bit of time with God. Not on the stage, not trying to make it like that dude. I'm just saying, um, just touch the stage, pray. Just spend a, just introduce yourself to somebody. Do something a little different in the physical and watch what God will do in the spiritual. Like just, just break the pattern. One of my favorite things to have people do is when we dismiss, I'd like for you to come forward and spend some time in this area praying. 
The reason I say that is because when we dismiss, most of the people will be going that way. And then you will be coming this way. You know why? Because when we dismiss, most of the people will be going that way. And you'll be coming this way. I don't have to explain that, right? Everybody kind of caught on to what I was just saying just now. So just do something a little different. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. I appreciate you. I love you. Michael Tinker. Thank you. So, wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Aw, you're so sweet. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.